Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 6 of the Rocky Mountain West. This is the Around the House program, 17th of July. Nice to have you with us here. And we've got a, a wonderful guest we all enjoy. He's with us every few weeks. John Freddy is going to be here in our second hour talking about sp- summer and maybe even a little touch of fall gardening, lawns, bushes, trees, pests around the yard, whatever you want to talk about, fertilizing, how to take care of your lawn if you've got issues with it. Already got a bunch of emails in of questions to ask John, so I know you'll enjoy that in hour number two at 5.06. John's a great guest and he's very kind, donating his time every oh, five or six weeks or so. And, and uh, I'm going to just look forward to, and I know you are too, to having him in the second hour. But in the meantime, it's you and me, and we'd love to talk to you. If you want to get on the horn, it's 713-8255, area code 303 on that one, of course. 713 talk and you can check in with us and we'd love to find out what's going on around that special place that you call home and we'd be delighted to help solve if you have an issue or some comments or feedback for me on the show just check in with us at 713-8255 and we have live email at aroundthehouse.com which we always do here in the studio so if you go to the aroundthehouse.com website Click the second button from the left. It's email Ken, it, I think it says, and I'll see it right here in the studio. But we'd rather have you on the horn, so check in with us on the phone. 303-713-8255. Here's a, a little list my sister Patty sent me, and I think you might enjoy this. You may have, uh, this has been around a while, I think. I don't know if I've, if I've read it on the air. It's been a long, long time. So if, if you grew up in kind of the era of, uh, you know, 60s um, or so, uh, you'll re- you'll appreciate this. Even, it could even be applied to modern parenting, although I haven't been a parent of a little kid for a long time, but you'll identify with this. I know you will. This is the, the things my mom taught me, okay? This is the list. My mother taught me to appreciate a job well done. If you're going to kill each other, do it outside. I just finished cleaning. My mother taught me religion. You better pray that will come out of the carpet. My mother taught me time travel. If you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. I remember that one, yeah. My mother taught me logic, and this is the most logical parental comment in in the universe, right? Because I said so. That's why. My mother taught me more logic. If you fall out of that swing and break your neck, you're not going to the store with me. My mother taught me foresight. Make sure you wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. I remember that. Always put on clean underwear just in case, right? Just let alone the fact that you should do it anyway. Mother, my mother taught me irony. Keep crying and I'll give you something to cry about. That's, is, that's, 
the essence of irony, isn't it? My mother taught me about the science of osmosis. Shut up your mouth and eat your supper. Shut your mouth and eat your supper. My mother taught me contortionism. Will you look at that dirt on the back of your neck? Yeah, I know. In the summertime, right? My mother taught me about stamina. You'll sit there until all that spinach is gone. And they usually gave in after about a half hour, didn't they? My mother taught me weather. The room of yours looks like a tornado went through it. A lot of metaphors flying around when we were kids, right? Finally, my mother taught me hypocrisy. If I told you once, I've told you a million times, don't exaggerate. Thought you might appreciate that list. Thank you. You can blame my sister for that one. She sends me a, yeah, a little goodies to use from time to time on the program. Well, what's going on with you? We'd love to hear from you today at 303-713-8255. Uh, if, in case you missed it, my column was in the Denver and the Colorado Springs Gazettes. Plural. There's a Gazette in the Springs and a Gazette online, the new voice in town, the new newspaper in town, the Denver Gazette, a really super online newspaper. I'd love it if you check it out. Very easy to navigate, very colorful. Take it with you anywhere. You don't have a paper uh, sitting in your driveway that you got to deal with and so on. DenverGazette.com. They have a, I think they still do this. There was an introductory offer, I think, the first 30 days free. Anyway, in the Denver Gazette and the Springs Gazette on Saturday morning, my column, I called, of course, around the house, and I'd love it if you would check that out. If you didn't catch it this morning, we talked in, in the column about, about uh, stinky disposals, stinky dishwashers, how to get more insulation in a cathedral ceiling, which can be really problematic. And uh, let's see, and, and water heater pilot light blowing out, which... I don't get as many calls as I used to about that. So, uh, anyway, we're gonna we'll discuss some of those items in the column later on in the program. In the meantime, Vicky in the Springs, listening on uh, KRDO, wants to get on the air, talk about yard stuff, and so let's get Vicky on the air. Hey, you're on the air, Vicky. What's going on? Good. Hi. Good to hear Hi. from you. Hi. Yes. Yes. Voles. B O L E S. Those nasty little critters. How do you get rid of them? Well, the, usually there's there's two ways to handle it: a repellent and a and, and poisoning. And the, the the repellent I'm speaking of is a company that advertises here on the program called Bonide, B-O-I-N, B-O-N-I-D-E, Vicky, and they have a product that I think works for bowls too, called Mole Max, M-O-L-E. M-A-X, and I'd like you to check it out. Now, you're down in the Springs, so Rick's Garden Center yeah. down there, Phelan Gardens, they carry Bonide product. It's a repellent, which I think me and you and me probably would appreciate you know, using more than a, than a poison. So check that out, uh, and if they get really awful and you just can't get rid of them, there are ways you can poison them with, uh, you know, granular poisons you put kind of where they burrow and stuff. I usually don't, it's interesting, I usually don't get these vol calls till in the wintertime when there's snow cover and they hide under the snow, make their tunnels and so on. You got a lot of them or just one little family? What's going on with you? Well, I'll tell you what it is. My daughter has a townhouse. Um, it sits probably on a space. It's not a crawl space. It's probably about a one-foot space from the ground to her uh -huh. floors. 
and she can hear them gnawing away all the time. Hmm. They, Has she actually really seen happy. seen one? Uh, could it be something else like rabbits or squirrels or some other somebody else in there? I don't know. Has she actually seen no, them? She has not, and neither has any of the people that she's called out. They've set her house for traps for mice and rats, and yeah, yeah they're they're destroying her flooring. They're destroying her flooring. But you know what? I have a question on this. She put in new flooring. Uh, what do you call that? The vinyl? What do you call the that? Lo- uh, the LVT luxury vinyl tile? Yeah. And yeah. I'm just wondering if those bowls, like that glue that's on there, could that be a possibility? So are they eating it from underneath, or are they up in the apartment? or what? Give me a little better picture of that, uh, Vicki, please. They're, they're, eating it, they're eating it from underneath. You can really huh. hear them. They're, I'll be... From uh, what I read, they, they reproduce... Yeah, yeah, they're probably like rabbits do too. Well, I've never, I haven't heard of that before. I would more likely blame squirrels, but I, I, you know, listen. I suppose it's anything's possible. I'm. We've got a guest in the five o'clock hour, John Creddy, uh, that is with us every once in a while, and he's good at pest type things and critters. So if you'll listen. Uh, keep listening and make sure you're there for the five o'clock hour. I will ask him about this. In the meantime, during our next break, uh, I'm just going to do a little, do a little investigative work on Google and see uh, whatever it is. You got to get rid of them, of course. Whatever animal it happens to be. There's also another Bonide product which I use very successfully to keep deer out of my garden. This is good for deer and rabbits and squirrels and mice and everything else. It's called repels all now can she see where they're getting in is there a little hole around the around the townhouse i mean where they might be burrowing in and, and getting underneath there uh her the people that she's had out there the hoa uh they yeah. put stuff in there but uh it's been two weeks now and they're still present Oh. Well, have her get the, the mole max I told you about. If it's moles or voles, and the repels all. If it's squirrels, rabbits, any other kind of critter, will repel them. It's 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 stinky to animals, not so much to us. It's an all natural product, and I, as I say, use it successfully for deer, and I've gotten good feedback about it. So that's repels all, and I know they carry that at Lowe's. That's where I buy mine. So there's a couple of ideas for you. But I'm, you got me curious now. I'm going to look up and uh, do a little, as I say, research in the next break, and I'll ask John about it, so keep listening. Thanks for your yeah. call, Vicki. I appreciate Please it. Thank you. Yeah, I will. Thank you. Appreciate it. Let's. Um, before we go to a break, I wanted to talk to you about my Denver-based uh, heating and air conditioning company, and that's Eagle Crest. Brian is the owner and boss man over there, and they do a wonderful job. Here's a, a, a testimonial from Mike. Uh, this... Um, Uh, As always, Murphy's Law applied when it was 95 and central air wasn't cooling. I called Brian at Eagle Crest. Four hours later, he showed up with his son and within 20 minutes had cool air. Now retirement's so much more comfortable. Thank you for all you do and the great advertisers. Thank you, Mike, for that. That's my Denver-based guy, Eagle Crest, and he's at your service for heating and air conditioning. This time of year, of course... Mike, you may have had a frozen compressor. You may, who knows what the problem was? Dirty, dirty coils in your furnace. But I'm glad he got it taken care of. And John, then, and um, 
Brian will take care of you, too. Just give him a call, 303-451-5607. And listen, there's a lot of summer left. And if you don't have a central air at your house, he can get you a, a ream system complete, installed, 3500 bucks, which is the best deal in town. So give him a call. He can get you the same as cash financing with approved credit. So he just does it right, and he does it uh, just what you need, when you need it. Now, since 1983, you'll love the way this guy does business. So call Brian at Eagle Crest. Tell him I sent you 303-451-5607. And if you want a $50 gift card for Eagle Crest, just let me know. We'll be right back right here on Around the House. From your faucet to your furnace, Ken Moon has solutions around the house. 22 minutes after 4 o'clock on the Around the House program. Don't forget John Creddy, our number two. He'll be here at 5.06 to take all of your lawn and garden calls. Just got an email from Don about buying weed. I put that in the stack, Don, and we'll get that answered by uh, John Creddy when he's here in the second hour. I just, to, to our caller, Vicki, I just did a little eh, quick and dirty vol research Bulls don't do well inside, is what it said, and they seldom uh, are bothered, you know, coming inside to do damage. And so perhaps it might be squirrels under there because squirrel squirrels eat about anything. And that's why we don't like them in the attic because they can chew on wiring and short circuit your wiring, cause a fire. I had a set of uh, I had a storage shed with a with my golf clubs in it many years ago, and they they got in and they chewed up and made nests out of the out of the, uh, I had my woods covered with some knitted socks and they ate those up and chewed them and made nests out of them. They started chewing on the wood parts of the golf clubs. And so it, it, I suspect it might be squirrels, but the repellent is the way to go. Uh, as far as traps go, uh, you might, I don't know what the HOA used. If they didn't use traps that are big enough, you know, a squirrel trap needs to be pretty good sized because you know they're not a tiny animal like a, a bull so i will ask john that but i suspect it's something else but you got to find out where they're going in and block those holes off and spray the repellent around there and so on so i think as long as she's got an hoa on on her side working on it that's good better than having to take care of it by herself so i hope that's helpful we will get to the bottom of that if we can with john creddy at 5.06 in hour number two of Around the House. In the meantime, we'd love to hear from you, 303-713-8255. How's your disposal? My column in the Denver Gazette and Colorado Springs Gazette this morning led off talking about stinky garbage disposals. This is the time of year, isn't it, when they just get smelling funny, and, you know, it's understandable. The warm weather encourages bacterial growth, and so you got to get them cleaned out once in a while. It's some, something that... Most of us don't like to fiddle with, don't think much about, but it's easy to do. An old friend of mine got me on this trick years ago, and that's a round toilet bowl brush is the tool du jour when it comes to disposals because it, uh, it just barely fits in the hole, and that way you can, you know, you can use it to clean the underside of that splash guard. Just soak the, the toilet brush in ammonia first, get it nice and sopping, or whatever your favorite disinfectant is, and it, it'll just take care of the inside of the chamber of that disposal and get it all kind of squeaky clean. 
you'll have to run the water while you're doing it, of course, and it may take uh, a lot of effort on your part, round and round and up and down, and and uh, you want an old towel around, of course, so when you withdraw it, you don't splatter everything in the kitchen. But that's really the way to do that. And the for parts you you miss in that rubber dispose. And by the way, that rubber splash guard that uh, is on the uh, under the you know you can see it in the hole of the disposal. It has rubber leaves on it. And they collect all kinds of splashing gunk from inside the disposal. And that, more than anything, is what really stinks. And so a toothbrush can help finish that up, too. An old toothbrush should dedicate to this job. Again, ammonia or whatever you prefer for, a, you know, even, even Windex. I like ammonia because it's kind of strong and it's a good disinfectant. So toothbrush, toilet bowl brush, and a, and a towel to wrap things up. When you pull them out of the hole, that's that's kind of the way to do that. And in the summertime, it's good to do this every, I don't know, two or three weeks or so. Then once that's only about two thirds of the job. The rest of it is to, is to sweeten up the disposal. And of course, the old, the old way to do that is a handful of ice cubes. Don't, as one caller did, fill up the disposal to the top full of ice cubes because that can overwhelm the motor. And it causes it to not do its grinding because it's just too much of a load. Then you got to wait for it to melt. So just a handful of ice cubes, half of a, a lemon or a lime in there. The citric acid will sweeten everything up and just spin that around and let it grind up. And then, and then the kind of the ending of all this, the cherry on the sundae, if you will, for me is to use pine oil cleaner like Pine Sol. Dump a cup or so in there just before you go to bed. Uh, and let it kind of fester inside the disposal and let it sit there all night and then rinse it out in the morning. And that really does help sweeten things up and make things smell smell nice. And, of course, there's another appliance in your kitchen, which this time of year can, can kind of smell stinky, and that's the dishwasher. I've noticed lately that uh, my I don't run the dishwasher, but maybe every five or six days. And in between that time, it kind of gets smelly, doesn't it? So this time of year, you got to take a little extra time to rinse the dishes up. You don't have to, listen, don't, the reason you have the dishwasher is to clean the dishes. So you don't need to, of course, scrub them with a sponge or anything, but take a little extra time to rinse off your dishes and silverware. Uh, and then use that rinse and hold cycle. A lot of you don't use that particular cycle. It's very handy. Usually it's either one or two rinses with no soap, just hot water, that really will cut down on that bacterial smell because that hot water will, will, if not kill all the bacteria, it'll kill a lot of it. And, and that'll, between loads, between actually running the dishwasher cycles, that rinse and hold will really help for a few days a day or two and then you need to do it again but don't forget the rinse and hold cycle because it can be very handy especially this time of year so that was kind of the dishwasher disposal protocol in my column this morning in the denver and colorado springs gazettes 303-713-8255 and dean said he has a has a hollow void under the concrete slab in his house and uh and uh, is that a big is that a big problem? What should we? Should I try to fill it or just leave it alone? I don't know how you discovered it, other than maybe you have a side view somehow, or or uh, uh, from the edge of the slab, and maybe uh, ran a wire down in there or something. These are hard to find. Usually, the only way you know you have a void under a concrete slab is when it collapses and and sags a little and cracks, and then you have to do something to level it up. But if it's a void under a concrete slab, whether it's inside 
like in your basement, Dean, or outside a sidewalk or a patio, usually concrete is strong enough to bridge over those voids because the loads that we put on them with us walking around and with furniture isn't just isn't that heavy. So concrete can usually bridge over a considerable void and not crack. Now, if it if it does crack and settle and sag, of course, you have to do something about it. You can you can mud jacket, which is a, f a fairly uh, a fairly invasive process inside of a house, especially. Or you can just leave it alone if it's on the edge of the foundation. Most of these sagging or cracking concrete uh, uh, usually occur on the outside where the furniture is. Sometimes you can pull the carpet back and put a skim coat of mortar or concrete on there. That can help also. These usually are caused by the builders not compacting the internal soil of your house. Well, an internal and actually external also. Uh, when, they, when they build the house, builders don't do as good a job as probably they, they should. And, and the reason is they don't want to crack the foundation or do any peripheral damage. And so sometimes we get settling, especially around a new house, and you get these voids under stoops and patios and sidewalks and so on. And the thing, if they're not causing any issue, if the concrete's still nice and pristine and flat, you simply ignore them. You can take some uh, new topsoil and, and jam it in the, the void as much as you can see and feel of that void. You can fill that up with uh, maybe put some, if you'd like to put a, a brick or some rocks in there first and then cover it up with soil just to fill in the void. And usually after a, a year or two, uh, after we occupy a new home, it's pretty well disappeared. So you, uh, the voiding or the settling, subsidence, usually the first year or two is when it takes place and then everything's kind of nice and stable. So voids under concrete per se aren't really bad because the concrete's pretty strong, but if they do sag and settle and crack, you have to do something about it. We'll be right back, right here on Around the House. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Advice on your next home project? Back to Around the House with Ken Moon. 23 minutes before 5. We're glad you're with us here on the Around the House program. You can call us at 303-713-8255. My name is Ken Moon. We've been doing this now for 28 years, going in our, let's see, 20, uh, we're in our 28th year right now. And so uh, thanks to you and our advertisers and our great affiliates, we're glad you're with us here for another Saturday show and John Creddy 506 lawn and garden questions I would love it if you would check in with us John's always a wonderful guest and he's going to be at your beck and call with the uh, second hour here of the program we can I've got several emails ready to go but I'm sure you have questions about what's going on in your yard I know I do uh, when we need a call or two I always jump in with my own issues so point of privilege is kind of fun to be able to get 
questions asked by an expert. John Creddy is a prolific author. C-R-E-T-T-I is John's as uh, John's uh, spelling of his last name. And you can go to Amazon, just type that in. You'll see many, many books that he's written. He's really done a great job with Rocky Mountain Gardening Guides, getting started with Rocky Mountain Gardening, month-by-month gardening and all that, and well-illustrated and wonderful, beautiful photographs, very informative and very kind of homeowner-friendly advice that I think you'll really appreciate. So his books are available at Amazon.com and other retailers also, John Creddy. So he'll be with us at 5.06. Jerry sent me an email, and I included it in my column today at the Denver Gazette, Colorado Springs Gazette. From time to time, we notice a natural gas smell outside around the meter. And I, and I do get that at my house, too. Uh, and, um, the, and and usually it's kind of normal, Jerry. It's There's a little regulator there. It has a little screen, and uh, if there's an overpressure, it'll spritz a little gas out, and then it won't you know, do that for another week or two, maybe every once in a while. Now, if the smell lingers day after day, you got to call the gas company. But just now and then, smell a little gas, that's usually the regulator doing its thing. So no big deal on that one. But if you do smell it, day, as I say, day after day, the gas company wants to keep you safe. So make sure you call them, and they can come put a new regulator on or whatever they need to do to keep you and get you safe. Let's see. Let's go to Blackhawk and talk to Jack. You're on the air with Ken Moon around the house. Hi, Jack. Yeah, good afternoon. I wanted to give a shout-out to your friend Brian at Eagle Crest. Okay. I, I called him with a furnace issue. Uh, I have an Aquastat furnace, which he doesn't work on, but he spent about an hour with me. He said, take a picture of it, send it to him uh, by my cell phone. I mean, he just went all out. I didn't have to pay him anything, but uh, he I told him I was going to call and say what a great uh, person he is for uh, doing that. That is, I'm glad you called. I really am, Jack. Uh, when I saw Blackhawk, I said, "Gee whiz, I don't, I didn't think he went to Blackhawk, but he, he can do a, he's a magician on the phone. He's gotten me th- through some crises and uh, with my furnace and a lot of other people too. So I'm so glad you took the time to call, and I know he's, he listens, and he'll really appreciate that. Yeah, he deserves it. Thank you. Well, thank you, Jack. That's a good that's a good call. I appreciate that very, very much. I know Brian does also. That's the way he does it. You know, if you've listened to the program, he gives you a little special attention, and he'll spend some time with you. A lot of times, like on a cold winter morning, your heat doesn't work, and there's something simple he can talk you through on the on the telephone, and he will do that. You know, unless he's really busy, but he does take the time for to help listeners of the program. And if if you want a gift certificate. A little, uh, you know, email-wise, uh, 50 bucks for Brian's Eagle Crest Services. Just email me right here in the studio through the AroundTheHouse.com website, and I'll forward it to Brian. He'll get you that gift card for, for anything that they do. And, and 50 bucks. it's a free lunch from Brian at Eagle Crest, my Denver-based heating and air conditioning guy. So thanks, Jack, again for that call. 303-713-8255. Roland said, I have a cathedral ceiling in my hand in his house. in there. Well, it depends. Some cathedrals.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All righty. It's 12 minutes before 5 o'clock. We're having a, some technical issues that are too boring uh, to, um, um, to describe to you at the moment, although I am blaming part of it on Microsoft doing computer updates when they're not needed or not at, when they don't ask permission. So, you know how that goes. You have a computer at home, too, and that, that blue screen of death we all get from, from updates that we don't even want to do, but they get done anyway. Uh, let's see. I was going to look around for this. Oh, I had some email for this week, and I, I lost the pile. I was talking to... Um, a guy uh, about about uh, gable vents and blocking them off to keep the snow out. Apparently, this this guy uh, named John who had some issues with snow blowing in his gable vent, and I, I mentioned to him that you need to block those off. And of course, he, he said, "I'm older. I don't want to crawl in the attic." But it's important if you have gable vents facing each other, and you get a really windy, blizzardy kind of snowstorm. You get a pile of snow in the attic in no time, and then you got trouble, and uh, it melts and stains the ceiling, and maybe the drywall needs to be replaced and all that. So uh, I, you can do that from the outside. Now, nobody wants to crawl around in their attic anyway. So people, uh, there are some, uh, you know, you can use a piece of masonite, a piece of plywood, you know, about anything, sheetrock, if you'd like. I wouldn't use sheetrock maybe on the outside, but masonite would work well because it's, it's lightweight. Get on your ladder and just... Uh, devise a way to screw it in or tack it in from the outside of your uh, of your gable vent, just on the outside, and you can hire a handyman to do that if you want. But that way you don't have to crawl around the attic, but you really should block those off, especially houses that are up high and, you know, on a hill, maybe on a ridge line or something, are susceptible to this. And snow blowing in an attic is not wonderful, as you well know if you ever had it done. And you know, as a, when I was a builder years ago, we would get these weird calls of, you know, it's wintertime, and all of a sudden, my dining room ceiling, there's a big stain on it. And, of course, we would know exactly what's going on because that was just a common thing in the winter. Anyway, so that's the deal. If you have gable vents, you can block. Now, don't block them both. You want to block one or the, or the other because you want a little air circulating in the attic even in the winter because there's moisture that comes up from... Uh, from inside the house uh, that can get in the attic and get trapped and so on. So uh, th- that's the, that's kind of the deal. Do it from the outside, John. And it, that's, that's a great question, by the way. Uh, we got an email here from Anna. My home uh, is, um, is an older home, um, and my insurance company, let's see, how old is your house, Anna? 37 years old. My insurance company suggested uh, I get a waterline service protection plan, I don't think, let's see, $60 a year, which isn't horrible, it's five bucks a month, but I get these emails all the time about, because uh, people get a lot of unsolicited mail, postcards and so on, about waterline insurance. 
you know, if it were sewer line insurance, that's another another a, a whole other discussion. But water lines don't break very often. It's very uncommon for water lines to cause trouble. Yes, does it happen? Yeah, it happens. But I don't know if you want to play the odds. Uh, fine. I mean, and we we play the odds driving down the street every day, don't we? Uh, we play the odds a lot. This vaccine uh, thing that we keep hearing about, about the risks of a vaccine, the odds are tiny, tiny, tiny that you'll have an issue. Same thing here. The odds are tiny, Anna, that you're going to have a problem with your water line. So play the odds. I would not do this. And the reason is that, uh, you know, as I mentioned a minute ago, I was a builder. And uh, when we when we put a water line in up until about, oh, 15, maybe 20 years ago now, we would use copper water lines, and the the rule was that the copper water line had to be one continuous piece of copper all the way from the street in to inside the house. There could be no joints out in the yard someplace that could break apart and leak. So that one continuous piece of what we called soft copper, but it was you know you could unroll it. That's the water line. It's probably outside your house, Anna, and there's nothing that I can think of that could go wrong with it short of some kind of an earthquake or something where the ground actually heaves and shifts. So I just, you know, I probably would let that go. 60 bucks a year uh, is not, you know, it's not a lot of money, but, you know, expenses add up. And so maybe that's something you could do without. I certainly don't have water line insurance. I suppose I could get it. But sewer lines, those are the ones that cause you the trouble and the heartache and so on. And uh, the sewer line insurance is available. It's kind of expensive. Uh, and if you want to get it, that's fine. You could check that out. Have your insurance company make a recommendation. There are other other vendors too uh, that uh, that handle it. So, anyhow, that's the story on sewer, on water line insurance, not sewer line. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So. Oh, there we go. I We are back in business. Uh, it take, took a while. One of the computers had to update right in the middle of the program. That's that's one of Murphy's laws, I guess. Anyway, glad you're with us. 303-713-8255. And we've got John Creddy will join us at 5.06 to talk about lawn and gardening and summer issues and pests. I've got a lot of great questions to ask John, so we'll do that at six minutes after five, right after the news. Here's another one other question from my column this morning in the Denver Gazette, Colorado Springs Gazette, about pilot lights blowing out. And this, I get, used to get a lot more calls about windy days, the wind comes in the middle of winter, I get up, take a shower, my, I have no hot water. So... It's, and I'll tell you in a minute why it's not as common anymore, but if that happens to you and if it's a chronic thing, it happens once in a while, I wouldn't worry about it, but if it's a very common thing, you can, if you have an older water heater that has that trap door at the bottom that you stick the, the, the candle lighter in there to light the water heater, there's two doors, an inner door and an outer door, and if you go in there and take the outer door off, in that little inner door, remove that and set it to one side, and put the outer door back on. So uh, some an old plumber told me years ago, this guy
guy that just, you know, one of those folks that has been around very a long time and got a lot of these tips going and stuff that sometimes that'll set up a different wind current so the pilot won't blow out. However, newer water heaters in the last 15 years or so have sealed combustion chambers. This is a requirement by the feds, uh, naturally, Consumer Product Safety Commission and others, so that you, you don't have access inside your water heater burner compartment. You have to light the pilot with a push button like a barbecue grill, and that prevents, apparently, there were some fires with uh, some you know, morons storing, <laughs> storing gasoline near the water heater and all that. So sealed combustion chambers are not really accessible by you, the homeowner, and they're very difficult even for a plumber to access, but they have much less instance of, of actually blowing out. So if you have a sealed combustion chamber water heater and your pilot keeps going out, there's something else going on. It might be a low gas pressure. It could be some, some kind of an adjustment that needs to be made by a plumber. But that's kind of the story. I, as I say, I get less and less of those calls as time goes on because pretty much everybody has to go by law to the sealed combustion chamber water heaters. 303-713-8255. Rick says we just acquired an old wooden picnic table. It's solid, but it has a coat of paint on it. It's peeling and cracking. What would you recommend? I tried scraping and sanding. It's pretty tedious. On yesterday's show, I heard you mention using an oil-based stain, but I think you heard now you use latex. Yeah, I, actually, I do use latex deck, uh, latex deck stains. As a matter of fact, this week, I recoated my my wooden deck outside. I used the Olympic Max six-year product. I got Home Depot to tint it for me. Went on nice thin coat. I was standing up using a roller with a broom handle in it and just went really quickly and easily. And it dried. It takes about 48 hours for it to really cure up. And it's beating water, and I just love it. Well, on a picnic table, Rick, I probably wouldn't use a latex. I'd go back to an oil-based deck stain oil-based deck stain, because uh, that way uh, you're going to get penetration. Because a wooden picnic table, you know, has a lot of exposure, sits out there all year long and, uh, and, and gets weathered and so on. So if you use a linseed oil deck stain, it'll soak in and season the wood. Now, you don't want to sit on it for a while. You want to give it, uh, I'm just, just a wild guess, but I would say you want to give it at least a week before you uh, actually sit on the benches that you've put the oil-based de deck state on. But I would do that once a year. Uh, maybe you could do it now and maybe before the cold weather in the winter comes, maybe now and, and in the fall sometime to get that double coating of the linseed oil to get that wood seasoned and soaked in. So, uh, yeah, I would in certain cases I would still use the oil-based. But I'll tell you what, this week I just was reminded again how easy these latex-based or acrylic-based deck stains are to clean up and uh, and they're just no hassle and uh, it's, it's just it's just the way to go the chemistry of water-based paints and stains now has gotten so good you know i was a, a late convert to it but i really do love my that olympic product it's the max max secure product and uh you'll like it too so you can get it tinted to whatever color you want and it goes on easy peasy and you'll like the results well Time for the news, and after that at 5.06 is John Creddy to talk about summer gardening and your lawn and whatever else is on your mind, right here on Around the House. With 
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. to the program. It's 506 on the Around the House program. 303-713-8255 is our telephone number, and we're uh, privileged, as we do every few weeks, to welcome John Creddy to the uh, program, and we're just delighted he's here. Thanks, John, for taking time to be with us today. How's everything on the Western Slope? Well, thanks for having me again, Ken. It's uh, It's been good to be back here to talk with you and some of your collars and such. Uh, we're get, getting ready to have a thunderstorm, believe it or not, on the western slope. I hope we get some rain over the past uh, month or so. Everything seems to be passing to the northeast, so we haven't been so lucky, but maybe this afternoon everything will uh, turn loose and we'll get a little moisture because it's been dry, as you know from the news. We're in an oh, yeah. uh, extreme drought. Well, one of my friends, it's funny, I don't know how this came up, but we were talking about palisade peaches and you told me in the spring when you were here on the program that you thought the crops was going to be pretty good this year because the buds didn't get uh, the you know the blossoms didn't get frozen is that on track to be a good year for those great peaches over there it looks like everything's going to be fine in fact some of the early peaches are now being uh, harvested on palisade and you might be seeing some at the local farmers markets out in the uh, Colorado Springs Denver area here soon so it looks like the peach crop is good in fact I we, we happen to know a grower in Palisade and he's uh, pleased he's been doing a lot of irrigation to keep the crop coming along and yeah. uh, so we'll we'll expect some real nice juicy tasty peaches probably in the next within the next few weeks I suppose huh uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah that sounds about right yep yeah, and we're just coming into tomato season, which is one of my favorites. And uh, fresh tomatoes, of course, are just delectable. And no comparison to Hothouse. And that's they're coming along. There's some farmers markets here starting to carry them, which is great. We're a little bit early, but that's that's nice to have that part of the summer ahead of us. John, uh, I got an odd call about an hour ago that I said I the, the caller was Vicky from the Springs, she said her daughter's in a townhouse, and and she asked about voles. She claimed that voles were eating the flooring under, her new daughter put new flooring in, and they were underneath the townhouse eating eating that flooring, and and um, and I said, I didn't think voles you know, would do that, and I thought it might be squirrels or something. Do, what's your opinion? Do voles come inside and do that kind of stuff, or do you think we're talking about rabbits or squirrels here? Well, I think you're right on track, Ken. Uh, it's not likely that voles would uh, come into a housing situation under a floor. Uh, they feed primarily on uh, the roots of plants. Uh, turf grass, as you know, we've talked in the past how they, when the snow cover is on, they'll tunnel in the lawn and leave serpentine patterns because they eat the grass roots and they eat some insects and such. But they generally would not feed on uh, 
wood products. It, it might be some other type of critter. It could be, you know, like you say, there might be squirrels that come in. I've known people that have squirrels in their attics that get into the woodwork and wiring and things like that, uh, or something entirely different. She may want to have an exterminator come out and do a little bit of inspection, and maybe they can pinpoint what's doing that. You know, I told her that exact thing. Well, you and I think similar because we've been together so long that I get bowl calls and kind of in the after the snow has gone in the winter, right? It's when they run it around and doing their thing more so than bowl. You don't get bowl calls. I never did in the summer. So there you go. That's probably a clue right there, right? That that's right. I think as I said, there it's not very likely that a bowl would do that because they're. They're herbivores. They're, they eat the roots of grasses and junipers and then some insects and things like that. So there's something else going on in there. And, uh, you know, it might be even mice or uh, rats. Who knows? It's just you, we yeah, have to have yeah. more uh, information, more evidence to identify what's going on. Well, we got our first call, John, here. Thomas and Greeley are on the air with Ken Moon and John Creddy, our special guest. Hey, what's going on, Thomas? Thank you, Ken. Thank you, John. John, it's always a pleasure to hear what you have to say uh, for all of us along the front range on our outdoor gardening and lawn issues. I have a large outdoor pot of red geraniums. The pot's about two feet across. It looks like a terracotta pot, two feet high, with uh, geraniums in it. The foliage seems fine, but the flower looks withered as they start to bloom with black around the petals. They never really fully bloom before they weather. Um, I'm obviously doing something wrong. Well, Thomas, tell me a little bit, or tell us a little bit about how you water, how often. This is a big pot, so how often do you water it, and how much water do you give it? I have maybe a little quart size uh, watering can, and I water it maybe with one of those three times a week. Okay. Uh, and when you test the soil with your finger, how moist is the soil? Do you test that to see how deep that water goes down? Not as much as I should. <laughs> okay. That's my, that might be the key here, because if the flower buds are forming, but they're not opening, it, it could be a sign that they're not receiving a deep enough watering in that big pot. And so when the flower tries to open, it doesn't have the energy to open up and it just what we call uh will um kind of burst or or uh fold up and not open so when you water a container water deeply enough to make it drain through uh and then let it dry out slightly between waterings and if you poke your finger down a couple of inches you can feel the moisture and you'll know when it is time to water because it'll start to feel a little bit gritty or dry I think it, I so think, you think I'm water- more envir- environmental. So you think I'm watering too less as opposed to too much? Right, I do because a quart okay. of water in a big pot like that is not going to. I don't think it's enough to to water the volume of soil. But the, the true test is to use your finger to see how moist that okay. soil stays. All right, very good. I called last December, by the way, about my autumn blaze uh, maple tree that was having. Uh, iron chlorosis, and I've been putting that chelate uh, treatment on it. And this year, when the, the leaves uh, came out, much, much, much improved. It's, there's just a hint of it, and I think if I just keep uh, with the uh, program, I think I can probably lick that all together. 
That's good news, and I'm glad that you're on that program because, as you know, we've talked about this. Our soils in Colorado, they have iron in them, but it's not in, a, in an available form. So the chelated iron makes sure that that plant gets some. And if you put it on once or even twice a year, I think you'll see that that tree will survive better and better withstand conditions that we, you know, the fluctuations of temperature and uh, moisture that we have. Yeah, I've noticed a huge, four years ago is when I first noticed it, and a big patch of that tree was just bright yellow in July. And now, as I say, just a, a hint of it. So I think if I keep going, as you say, a couple of times a year with that chelate uh, iron, I think I'm going to have that problem licked. Well, sounds good. Keep up the good work. Well, thank, thank you, you Thomas. Thank you, Ken. Uh, yeah, thank you for calling. you guys. All right, Thomas. I appreciate your call. Yeah, you've we've talked so many times, <clears throat> John, about iron availability, uh, and it's um, uh, it, it's fun. Just a little sidebar here. I'm, the novel Hawaii, James Michener. I'm 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 listening to that on audiobook the past week or so, and they were as I thought of you because they they were having trouble. And this is a historical novel, as you know, back about a hundred years ago with their pineapple crop. And it turns out that the whole island of Kauai was iron, but it was locked up and the plants couldn't use it. They started using iron sulfate and the pineapple snapped back out of it. And it reminded me of John Creddy, because you've always said that iron is fine, but the plants have to get to it, right? That's right. And see the iron sulfate that you mentioned, the sulfur component helps unlock the iron so it becomes more available and that's the thing you sulfur is uh, not common in our soils here and that's why it's so alkaline and we need to use supplemental nutrients for many of our plants well and that's you know that rich lawn turf food uh, that you and i've talked about i use all the time i did actually last week i put my my third i think treatment on it has about a four percent iron thing and my lawn seems to love it but like like you say, there may be iron in the soil, but the, if the plants get, get can't get to it, doesn't do much good, does it? That's right. You're exactly right. And while we're handing out compliments, I you you held my hand through these these boxwood bushes I really love in my front yard, and they were all yellow last spring, and I was all discouraged about it. And you told me just. And I thought it was winter kill, and I was going to have to cut them down. And you told me to keep watering them and a little, you know, kind of fertilizer. I did that shake and feed that Miracle Grow has. And, buddy, they snapped out of it. They're all green now. There's a little dead branch here and there, but they look all happy here in the summertime. So uh, you, you, you encouraged me not to give up on those, on those things. Well, that's good news, too, because boxwoods are temperamental, as you find out. They... They don't like fluctuations in temperature. They suffer winter dehydration. But if you're patient and, and keep care of them and watch the watering and fertilizing, I'm, I'm glad to hear that they're coming back. You bet. Uh, and uh, they, uh, they really add a lot. They're, they're, they're very handsome bushes. And I have them on the north side. And I, I was told, and maybe you told me this, that in north with a minimum winter sun, uh, they do okay. And, and they seem to be seem to be, uh, they, as I say, seem to be happy. So that's great. John, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back with your phone calls. If you have a lawn or garden question for John Creddy, give us a call, 303-713-8255.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Things break around the house. That's why there's Around the House with Ken Moon. Welcome back to the program. 21 minutes after 5, we're talking to John Creddy about lawn and garden issues. Uh, uh, Michael said there's a Dave in Commerce City wants to talk about uh, uh, shower issues. Uh, Dave, if you'll email me at the aroundthehouse.com website, I'll answer your questions by email. Right now we're doing lawn and garden stuff, so email me at aroundthehouse.com. I'll be glad to email you back. But before we get back to John, by the way, 303-713-8255, want to remind you of my Denver-based guy, heating and air conditioning guy that uh, I really love, and you will too. He put a new furnace in for me several years ago, and he did a wonderful job. And Bonnie and Golden says, uh, uh, Brian solved the exact problem you're talking about, not enough return air. He sent his ductwork guys over. They came up with a plan, got the parts, more air to the furnace. By 2.30 that day, they had the job complete, left the area spotless, and I'm really happy. Bonnie, thank you for that email. I get lots of those testimonies about Brian and Eagle Crest, and you'll love it too if he gets, comes over to your house. And by the way, if you need air conditioning in your house, and who doesn't, right? There's a lot of summer left. You can get a complete system in for you, 3500 bucks complete. That's with the electrical and the condenser and the coils and everything else. A new ream system at your house. And that's, now, it might vary a few bucks depending on your on your configuration but what a great what a great deal for you to get air conditioning at your house for 3500 bucks complete so call Brian at Eagle Crest 303 451 5607 and 5607 let me do that again 303 451 5607 tell him I sent you and ask about that great ream AC deal for 3500 bucks so you'll love it Brian at Eagle Crest you like the way they they do their business and I know you'll send me an email uh, about Brian's services when he leaves your house, like Bonnie did. So there you are, Brian at Eagle Crest. Back to John Creddy now. John, we've got a caller from the Springs listening on KRDO, and it's William. You're on the air with Ken Moon and John Creddy. Hey, William. Hi, Ken. Hey, John. Hey, um, I've got a, any advice about potatoes. My, uh, I've been growing potatoes for about five years now. This year they started out like gangbusters, but now they seem to be waning above the surface. I haven't dug around to see what kind of uh, actual uh, root crop there is, but do you have any advice on potatoes? Uh, When you say, uh, William, they're coming to the surface, are the tubers starting to appear near the surface where the shoulders of the tubers are showing? Well, they haven't yet. Okay. Potatoes are kind of temperamental on soil temperature, and with the higher temperatures we've had, you might want to uh, put a little straw mulch around the base of the plants, maybe a couple inches of straw mulch, that clean wheat straw that you can get at a co-op or feed store, 
And when you water, you know, you water deeply and the straw will help hold that moisture in so you don't have to water real often. You can uh, just water deeply maybe once every four or five days and see if that might help them come back and uh, dig down and see what the tubers are developing into right now. Are they the size of a silver dollar or are they sizing up a little bit? That'll kind of give you a clue on what's happening underground. Okay, that sounds wonderful. Um, they just, I have them in several different spots. Um, some of them are going like gangbusters, but I've got one section that just doesn't seem to be working. So I will take your advice and, and get some straw at uh, Rick's Garden Center and take it from there. Yeah. Now, what color is the foliage? Is the foliage healthy or what? Is it turning yellow early or explain that to me a little bit quickly? Yeah, it's turning yellow early. Um, I did use some uh, Richlon uh, with iron <clears throat> on them, according to the directions on the bag. And uh, they're just one area. Just They seem to – they're light green and they're turning yellow. Okay. You might check that area, William. Make sure they're not getting overwatered in that area because there could be different soil types throughout your garden. And some areas might be staying too wet, uh, while others are doing just fine. Uh, just kind of check around, dig around, and see if you can determine what's going on. But I obviously, when I grew potatoes, uh, we obviously just use straw mulch around them to keep the soil cool and encourage better tuber development. So give that a try and see if that might help pinpoint what's happening. William, thanks for your Correct. call. We've got Gail and Cheyenne. We go from potatoes to zucchini. Hey, Gail, you're on the air with John Creddy on Around the House. Hi. Hi. Thank you, guys. Um, I have uh, my zucchini and squash are uh, really coming and not the fruit because all I have is male flowers. What am I doing or what? how do I need to supplement? Well, let me. Uh, how long have the male flowers been blooming? Is this just started, or have they been going on for a while? Uh, for a while. Okay. So, you uh, know, maybe uh, about uh, a month, a little less oh, than a month. Okay. Well, we should have some development now because with the temperatures, uh, you know, kind of being nice and warm. Uh, how about the bees? How how, how many? Uh, Honeybees are you seeing in throughout the garden? Are there is there a lot of bee activity or is it limited? Um, no, it's limited, and um, I'm always ready to take care of business with a you know a Q-tip if I have to. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Sometimes if we don't have enough pollinators around, if it, it be it honeybees or wasps or other insects, some. Uh, on the female flower, but on the female flower, as you might know, it, you're going to see <clears throat> I'm losing you. Oh. Okay. Can you hear me? John, we're kind of losing you. Are, you. are you in a bad spot? Can you move around a little bit? Okay. What, Michael's going to try to call, call him back, so stay right there. Uh, Gail, and, and he'll he'll get back. Uh, we'll get back to you. So, uh, hey, Gail, I'm just curious. Uh, are you listening to us in Cheyenne, right? Are you there? Can you hear me? Yes, I yeah, can. Gail, I am in can, Cheyenne. Yeah. Are you listening to us on KCOL out of Fort Collins? What are you? Where are you listening to us? KCOL. 
Yeah, good. I know they have a nice signal in Cheyenne, and so we're glad we have a lot of Cheyenne listeners, and I'm glad I'm glad you're there. Well, let's, uh, did we get him back yet, Michael? Okay. You know, it's funny. This is the second time this has happened, John. Well, uh, uh, Gail, stay right there. We'll we'll get we'll get get the uh, we'll get the connection straightened out. Uh, okay. John said there was a thunder shower in uh, coming in. Uh, where he is over there in Silt. And, John, are you there? No, I'm back here now. I can hear you fine. Uh, yeah. Is this a little better for you now? It is, yeah. I was wondering, because you said there was a thunderstorm coming, and if that, because the last time you had a thunderstorm, we had the same kind of trouble. But right. uh, Gail is still there, and you were talking about uh, maybe she's doing some hand pollinating, you guys. Go ahead, John. Right. Well, and uh, Gail, the, the the female flowers, you know, has that little enlargement at the uh, end of it. So you need to have those flowers pollinated, and that's why I asked about honeybee or wasp pollinating the the flowers. Um, so why watering? Water your plants with blooming because some of the fall off. Yeah. Okay. We're gonna, John. We've lost you again. You you just fuzz out there at the end. So, Gail, uh, Gail, I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want you to email me at aroundthehouse.com, and I'll forward your email to John, and he's very good about answering those. Uh, and if, when we get him back, we'll try to get your question. I don't want to keep you on the on the phone too long, so we'll take a break now, and uh, Gail, we'll try to either get it by email if you want to email me, or we'll try to get him to answer your question when we get up better connection. So we're going to take a break and we'll be back right after this on the Around the House program. Give us a call 303-713-8255. Fix-It videos can be so confusing. Let Ken Moon help you fix things around the house. Welcome back. 25 minutes before 6 o'clock on the Around the House program. 303-713-8255. John, you're back with us, I hear. Yeah, I hope that it works better, uh, Ken. And if I can briefly go back to Gail's question. Yeah, uh, please do. Yeah. 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 Regarding her zucchini, and I hope she's still listening. Uh, besides the pollination issue with pollinators, uh, I was just going to remind her not to be overwatering when the plants are flowering. Uh, because sometimes overwatering, if that should happen, will cause the flowers to abort or fall off. So kind of, you know, water deeply, but not frequently. And if you put a mulch around the plants, that kind of helps conserve water and make it more uniform so you don't have, you know, these fluctuations. Now, you know, we have a, a call coming up here. Just for, I had to I have to ask this because you guys are talking about bee pollination. Am I right? There's is there still a crisis in the bee world? There were some some parasites or something that got into the bee population, or is that gone now? Are they back in business, or what do you know about what the, what's going on with the, with bees in general? Well, luckily, you know, we have a beekeeper that keeps uh, beehives up on our property, and uh, the, the parasite problem seems to have diminished quite a bit. So bees are back. 
uh, and they're becoming uh, more populated. So we encourage people to plant flowers like mm, marigolds and zinnias and daisies to attract bees around the yard and garden so they'll pollinate your vegetables and fruit crops. So that's a good sign happening. Uh, and, of course, always avoid the use of pesticides uh, in the garden when there are bees around, especially during the time when they're working. So that's important yeah. to keep in mind as a gardener, too. Very good. Thanks. I'm glad that parasite, I know people were sort of worried about it, but if it's diminishing, that's really great. In the meantime, let's go to Centennial. Marty has a question for John Creddy. You're on the air with Ken Moon on the Around the House and our special guest, John Creddy. Hey, Marty. Are you there? Marty? I don't hear. No, I don't hear him either. Well, you, you can call back. Give me a chance. And I'm embarrassed, John, I didn't mention this. Usually at the top, I do. You've written a lot of great books, and I wanted to promote them a little bit. Amazon.com, just type in John Creddy, C-R-E-T-T-I, and you'll see all John's great books. Rocky Mountain Gardening Guide, Getting Started Gardening Guide, and Month by Month. and all. They're, they're wonderfully illustrated, wonderful photographs. And, John, you, you write uh, really for... Uh, for the average homeowner, and uh, I really enjoy your books, and so I hope uh, you all will go. And they're not very expensive at Amazon, so there you go. John, anything? Uh, are you doing any writing at all? You're just doing that country squire thing. Well, right now we're just, uh, you know, doing the, the renovation of the property at this point. So, uh, But I, appreci I appreciate the compliment on the books, and thank you for promoting them. Not at all. Here's a We got three or four emails that came in before the show. One of these, and we've run by this before, Donald, we replaced the front lawn last October. Now we have bindweed and three-quarters of the lawn. How do we get rid of it? Do you think it came in with a sod? That's a good question. What do you think, John? <laughs> well, bindweed is, is a... Uh, bindweed is a nemesis of the gardener, and I have it all over as well. So um, you keep, you know, mowing it, uh, trying to keep it under control. Some people have success with spot treating it with a um, lawn weed control for lawns that uh, controls broadleaf weeds. Just read and follow the label directions and be persistent. That's that's a hard one, Ken. Uh, bindweed usually wins out, but if you're persistent, you can at least keep it at bay. Yes. Well... Yeah, I, it's it's just a scourge of gardeners. I, I have my own version. It's called quack grass, and the quack grass just seems to love my garden and my yard for some reason or other, and it's the same kind of thing, just so persistent. And those underground, you know, root tendrils go everywhere, and it's just, a, a, you know, it's hard to keep ahead of it, isn't it? So It really, it really is, and I've got that too, Ken, so I know exactly. Uh, you know, you keep digging it, and don't let any of those root segments stay in the ground. If you see them, pull them out. And the thicker your lawn, if you can keep your lawn thick and green, it tends to choke out most of the invaders. So a healthy yeah. lawn usually keeps invaders out. Interesting question here, email question from Larry in Douglas, Wyoming. Uh, ask John if it's correct to remove some of the apples in each cluster to get bigger fruit in those that remain. The buds were thick this year as opposed to last year. Uh, and what do you think about picking off some of the uh, budding apples in each cluster? Is that a good idea, John? Uh, not a, You know, a lot of orchardists years ago... Uh, would do that. They would actually thin the apples out when there was an abundance of uh, apples formed in the cluster. So if you take a cluster, there's four or five apples, and take out two or whatnot, 
this is, is if you can reach the apples, you know, and do that, it's tedious, but it's very true that you can increase the size of the fruit and the quality of the fruit. And uh, it's just all a matter of how you uh, spend your time in the, in the orchard, but it does help. Very good. Okay, well, good. That's a, that's a short and sweet answer. Marty is back from Centennial. Marty, you're on the air. Hi. Hey, I'm sorry. We got cell phone Hades around here, huh? No, it's okay. What can we do for you? I, I uh, two questions. First is, um, uh, would would John, who I'm glad to hear on the radio, uh, brief me on how to care for some iris bulbs that I've got to dig up for. Uh, for some construction, and two brief us on when the uh, Olathe corn's coming down the road. Um, iris, uh, the tubers that or the rhizomes, you know, July is the month to lift them and divide them and move them because they're finished flowering. Uh, they've got a real healthy root system, so you're right in the right time slot to move them and plant them in the new area. And don't plant them too deep. Plant them shallow because they like to have that rhizome kind of the shoulder exposed to the uh, surface of the soil. So you can should, do that. Should, should he cut the foliage off, uh, no, John? I, but, no? I, okay. I would not cut the foliage off. That's an old uh, myth on doing that because the leaves are the storage energy for the rhizome. So it'll be floppy, but leave it on because it helps uh, the root development start better. Great. Can I take a few to text for my daughter? What's, I'm, I'm sorry. What was that again, Marty? I'm sorry. Could I take a few to Texas for my daughter? Ah, can he take a few to Texas for his daughter to use, oh, John? Yeah, you should be able to. Not a problem. The only uh, concern is, you know, that make sure that, uh, you know, you keep the rhizomes from drying out. So maybe pack them in some sphagnum peat moss or something like that. But uh, you could do that. Great. Got it. Thanks. All right, Marty, thanks for your call. Appreciate you checking in. Dave in Commerce City, you're on the air with John Creddy on the Around the House program. Hi, what's going on, buddy? Hey, good afternoon, guys. I got a question for you. I was out uh, looking at the, I got a little maple tree I planted last year, and the edges of the leaves are turning brown, and I'm just wondering if the, the tree needs something or any ideas what might be going on there? How old is the tree, Dave? Uh, I planted it last year. It uh, I don't know how old it was then, but, uh, you know, it was about four feet tall. Okay, and how is your watering? Is it in a lawn area, or is it out by itself? Uh, no, it's it's in, you know, I've got a bunch of uh, uh, plants out there, and, and uh, so I've got, it's watered every day for like 20 minutes. Okay, and, that, might uh, be, that might be too much, because... Uh, you know, when watering trees, it's better to water them deeply, but not too frequently. So if it's getting too much water, the symptoms can be the same as scorch from, you know, too, from drought. So, you know, okay. water deeply, let it dry between waterings. You can test this by taking out a trowel and digging around the root zone. If it's moist around the root zone down six inches or so, it doesn't need water. So let it kind of slightly dry between waterings. The other thing, uh, with the wind and the heat, sometimes maples are susceptible to a little bit of, of uh, leaf burn on the tips, which could just be dehydration. So nothing to worry about. But watering every day sounds a little bit like it's too much at this point. Okay. What, what, is, what would be a good watering? Uh, it was like every other day for 20 minutes, or what would you recommend? 
Well, it depends on your soil. So that's why you test with the trowel. It may be you'll be watering every uh, three or four days deeply. But, you know, when you water, water enough to make it soak down deeply uh, so that it percolates down around the root zone. And then if you let the soil dry out a little bit between waterings, that allows the roots to get air. And and roots need both oxygen and water to grow. So that's the reason you've got to kind of determine your particular condition on your soil. So you'll have to kind of gauge it by experimentation. All right. Good enough. Thank you. Okay. Well, good thanks luck for that. Th- thank you for your call, Dave. You know, you were something you just said reminded me about watering. There was a question earlier in the program about geraniums, and you said uh, add enough water so it so it uh, so it drains through the pot. Is that true with all house plants, John, or are there exceptions? You want to water so it it, it dribbles out the bottom, or not necessarily? I'm glad you brought that up, Ken, because this is a very common problem on container gardening and with your house plants. Uh, when you water plants, be it a house plant or a container outside, you want to make sure you saturate the soil to percolate the water down to the deepest roots. So that's why it's a good sign when it drains in the saucer. And then you let it dry out between watering so that the roots can also get oxygen. And that t- determines a good schedule. So there is no schedule for watering like, you know, people say, I water my house pots once a week. Well, that's not always true because the temperature of your home, the light exposure, all determines the needs of the plant's water. So uh, you, you just have to experiment, but water deeply when you do, and that goes for house plants, as you just mentioned, so that you get a good saturation. But so you're saying what you're <clears throat> what I think you're saying, if I could put it in a different way, is your your houseplant roots shouldn't be wet all the time. They should go between dry and wet and dry and wet. Is that what you're saying? Um, yes, well, I am. Yes, okay. Right. Yeah. You don't want to, you, you want the soil to dry out slightly. And that's where with a houseplant, you can use your finger as a guide. You know, stick your finger down to the second knuckle. And if it feels moist, then you don't need to water. If it's feeling dry, then it's time to give it a good watering and water enough to make the water go through the drainage holes in the, in the, and you know you've done a thorough watering. Now, I've got one of those, and I think I mentioned this to you before, I've got one of those uh, probes I bought at Amazon for, you know, is, is your soil dry enough to water? And you're not a huge fan of those, are you? Well, I'm not, but they're a good guide for people that don't, uh, you know, don't, you know, have the knack for horticulture to feel the soil right. So use them accordingly. Uh, the only thing I don't like about them, Ken, sometimes is that they're, they're not accurate because they, the uh, fertilizer in your potting soil can give you a misreading, uh, and that can sometimes fool people. So I'm kind of an old traditionalist. I like to feel the soil, and then yeah. I know if it's getting dry or if it's staying moist. Very Yes, yeah, so because the, the salt, the residue in the soil will make an electrical contact and fool the meter, maybe. Is that what you're saying? Something that's, like that. That's right. That's what, yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Well, okay, John. And, and you know, I, my houseplants are, um, I was, I, I, that was my, for years, you, you guys get water every seven days regardless. And, and I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have huge luck with my houseplants because it just depends, right? And, and, um, so now I, I do that uh, finger test that you've always talked about. And certain plants, it's you know a lot of it I, I I believe is the size and shape of the leaves. You get more evaporation, less evaporation, right? So they're not all the same. 
That's right. And then the size of the pot, the amount of volume of soil that you have determines how you know, fast that soil dries out or if it stays moist longer. So that's the reason you, everything is different for uh, each gardener, and it applies to the outside, too. Some people have clay soils. Some people have sandy soil. Some have a sandy loam. And we have to kind of gauge that according to how we prepare our soil in our vegetable gardens, our lawns, our trees and shrubs. Yeah. Well, John, that's all good stuff uh, for in, inside plants and outside plants. We're going to take a break. Be back with your phone calls for John Cruddy, 303-713-8255. Lawn and Garden Questions with John Cruddy. It's seven minutes before six o'clock. John, I just got an email from our friend Gail in Cheyenne that had the zucchini issue. So you told her to hand pollinate if she needs to. But did you say when those male flowers are out to water more thoroughly? I can't remember exactly what you said. I know she's listening. Okay. What I was uh, going to remind her is that not to overwater when the flowers are forming, because if you water too much, uh, that can cause some of the flowers to abort. Because here again out in the garden, if we drive the oxygen out of the soil, the flowers respond by uh, either dropping or, you know, they, they actually uh, will burst. So the thing is, is water deeply but not frequently. And I always like to put a mulch around uh, squash plants to kind of keep a uniform moisture. And yeah. uh, it also keeps the squash bugs at bay in part, too, which is another problem. But water deeply, but uh, let it slightly dry between waterings. Very good. Thank you for the update. Tim in Longmont, you're on the air with John Creddy on the Around the House program. Hi, Tim. Yeah. Good, good to hear you, John. Uh, I've always cut all thistles, and I read an article from CSU that said some thistles are beneficial. What, what's your opinion on that? Which ones should I cut and which ones should I leave? If you're talking about uh, like Canada thistle and and musk thistle, that kind of thing, is that well, what you're this article? About? Co it covered the whole thing. I I've always cut them or taken them all out. And this article from CSU said that we should leave some of them for the birds. Okay. Well, I understand that point. I haven't seen the article, so I can't talk to that. However, uh, Tim, the main thing I would just uh, reinforce here is that if it's Canada thistle or musk thistle, I always recommend to cut the flowers off uh, because you don't want them to uh, distribute into areas where they're going to invade, you know, farm crops or open spaces, things like that. So I, I don't know what that article is. There are thistles that, uh, like the Niger, that is for birds, but that's something totally different. So I don't think I can comment on that. I, I would have to see the article to see which specific ones they're recommending not to cut. Okay, well, at my place, we've got, a, it, it's a big purple flower, about an inch and a half. Okay, that sounds like a musk thistle to me. Um, they're pretty plants, but uh, and I can see the birds like the seeds. Yeah, the, the birds like the seeds of them, but uh, boy, I'm still of the the um, the knowledge here that I have of thistle. I don't like it to invade because once it does, it becomes uh, you know very difficult to control. Tim, thanks for your okay. phone call. We need to move along. Do we still have Barbara, Michael? Uh, Barbara, you're on the air. we got about a minute or so. What's going on with you, Barbara? 
Well, I'm trying to improve the quality of the soil on a rocky ledge, and I've discovered that the soil is clay. I'm, I'm looking at earthworms. I understand that they aerate the soil and that the worm castings fertilize the soil. Do you think that would be a good solution to improve clay soil, John? I think it's a good supplement, uh, Barbara, to encourage earthworms and earthworm castings there. So the trick here on that rocky ledge is to add compost. Uh, You can make your own compost or you can buy compost that's pre-bagged. And that'll encourage the earthworms to even multiply more. So you're on the right track. More earthworms in the soil, the healthier the soil is for root development. Great. Well, there's many species of earthworms. Are some better than others? Well, the ones that I've used in the past are just the plain red wigglers, is the ones that you can find most commonly available at, uh, I think you can find them online as well, but it's at some of the garden uh, resource centers as well. Listen, uh, thank you, Barbara, for your call. Very good. Earthworms, like a lot of uh, Mother Nature's uh, critters, are good for all of us people that like gardens. John, thank you. Thanks a million for joining us. Sorry for the technical stuff, but we got through it okay, and I'm really appreciative of your time. Uh, We hope to see you again maybe in four or five weeks like usual, and we will uh, enjoy that too. John, thank you, and have a great day, and uh, we'll see you next time. It's been a pleasure, Ken. Thank you for having me, and you have a great rest of the weekend. You too. Uh, Michael Cooper, our uh, producer and engineer today. Michael, thanks for the crisis management today. We'll see you next time. God bless. Have a wonderful week. See you next Saturday right here on Around the House. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.